This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to John Reagans from BTC Media on cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, and blockchain in China. We discuss the major players, interesting use cases of the technology, and how the BAT are looking at the blockchain world. Hi, John. Hey, Bernard. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are things in Singapore today? Pretty busy. A lot of things are ongoing, but you're based in Shanghai, right? That is correct. And yes, I'm talking to John Riggins, Head of Operations Asia Pacific at BTC Media. So John, I got you here because I want to know a lot about what is happening with Bitcoin and blockchain and cryptocurrency as a whole in China. So, but before that, I want to get to know you better. How do you start your career? So I started my career in Memphis, Tennessee at FedEx, which is a fantastic company, great culture, great vision, had a great experience there. I worked in a revenue strategy group and had projects mostly related to payments and invoicing methods uh, for different international markets. One of the last projects that I was working on there was a, a lengthy one, kind of a comprehensive alternative payments strategy initiative. And during that, I was fortunate enough to spend some time in Asia as we rolled out WeChat Pay and some other things. I was also able to spend some time looking at Bitcoin. FedEx had just purchased a company called Bongo International that accepted Bitcoin as a payment method because one of their largest clients was a company called Overstock.com in the U.S., uh, one of the first companies in the U.S. to embrace Bitcoin, start accepting it as a payment method. A little detail there, but I think it's interesting kind of how these networks around something new like Bitcoin develop and, and drive adoption. At the time, it didn't make sense for FedEx to accept Bitcoin, but I basically kind of became obsessed with the topic and knew that I wanted to move into the industry at that point. So some of the smartest guys that I knew in college had actually introduced me to Bitcoin back then and had started... Uh, a company right out of school called BTC Inc., which BTC Media is a part of. And I was fortunate enough to be able to join up with them straight from FedEx and have been with BTC Inc., BTC Media since then. What brought you from BTC Media US to China then? China has been an important part of, of the industry for a long time. Knew that we wanted to have a presence here. We just needed to find the right partners, basically, and have the right timing for opening up of operations. And so we took some uh, VC investment from a group in Shanghai, and that kind of facilitated the move of me to Shanghai and the opening up of an office and an operation in, in China. I think it would be much more appropriate for me to ask you, what is your role in BTC Media and what does your organization do, how it advocates cryptocurrency and financial technologies as a whole? I'm head of operations for Asia. So I'm responsible for any media in this part of the world that we undertake. That's print magazines in Japan, digital media in China, partnerships in Korea, anything anything over here is my domain. And so basically everything under BTC media that we want to do in Asia, I kind of facilitate that and manage it. The products that we have is the media part of our business. We have print magazines focused on onboarding people to Bitcoin. And that's why Bitcoin. We have bitcoinmagazine.com kind of the first news site focused on on Bitcoin news and analysis. It was actually one of the founders of Bitcoin Magazine, a guy named Vitalik Buterin, who we may discuss a little bit later, the founder of Ethereum. Throughout your career journey, what are the interesting lessons learned then? Yeah, something for me personally that I've learned uh, is the importance, I think, of 
staying curious, not being too complacent. Curiosity and an interest in new experiences is basically the reason that I'm in the blockchain industry and in Asia. And so I've seen the positives of that kind of mindset for me personally. And then with our business, like any emerging field, we've learned the importance of resilience, adaptability, basically hustle. The famous Andy Grove quote, former CEO of Intel, his mantra was that only the paranoid survive. And I think that's as relevant as ever, but especially in a fast growing industry like digital currency and blockchain, the ability to adapt and to really hustle has allowed us to last through some difficult months and grow real business in an industry that's really expanding today. So we're excited about where things are. And that comes to the main topic of the day is about blockchain and Bitcoin in China. And I got to know you through a friend of the show, Eva Xiao. So to help our audience, can you give an introduction to the concept of cryptocurrency, for example, Bitcoin and the role of blockchain plays in the space as a technology? Of course. So something that's kind of overlooked about Bitcoin is that it really is a, a breakthrough in computer science first. Years of, of research into cryptographic currency, cryptography by many, many smart minds, many failed experiments that each was a, a, a next step in the ladder to reaching where we are today, where Bitcoin basically, the culmination of that was created back in 2009. The real thing that it brought to the table was the ability to establish trust between unrelated parties over an untrusted network like the internet. So it is a breakthrough in cryptography and economic incentives. It was a way, the first way of transferring something digitally scarce uh, between par two parties with no trust. And with Bitcoin, it was something of value being transferred uh, between two parties with no trust. The blockchain portion, which is kind of the second piece after the cryptography, is the transparent ledger, keeps track of all the transactions and serves as the immutable record of all those transactions. Transactions in the native token, Bitcoin being the token on the Bitcoin blockchain, are secured in each new block that is mined. So the, the mining portion is an important part of this also. It's the running of software that, that finds each future block and secures the network, this vast um, distributed network of computing power. Can you give me a chronological overview in how Bitcoin and blockchain technology has been adopted in China? I mean, I know that there's a lot of things ongoing with Bitcoin miners in China, but of course, I think the Bitcoin and blockchain adoption in China goes far beyond that. Definitely. It's still a pretty young industry, so it's it's kind of you know, funny to look back, you know, in the way back and it's only 2012. But basically it all started with a guy named Wu Jihan who translated the first, who translated the Bitcoin white paper into Mandarin and started a, a Bitcoin news site. Funny how many things start with news sites. That led to a lot of speculation, a lot of investor interest. Basically the, the rise of the Bitcoin price in 2013 then led to a lot of adoption in China. There's a popular movie called The, the Rise and Rise of Bitcoin. And in one scene, the main character is looking at a, an image of nodes, Bitcoin nodes all around the world. And from one week to the next, the amount of nodes in China has, has just increased dramatically. So China started to adopt Bitcoin relatively quickly in 2013. Cheap electricity combined with a lot of entrepreneurial people in the country led it to basically become the center for Bitcoin mining. I would like to understand a little bit better about the Bitcoin supply chain in China. So how does the Bitcoin miners, traders and the exchanges work within China? Yeah, so starting with mining hardware, maybe most of the ASIC chips and machines are manufactured in China and then Taiwan. And that's kind of the start of the supply chain there. So at that point, the, the Bitcoin is mined. 
Also, some of the biggest mining pools in the world are, are based in China, which is people using, putting their computing power together to create a kind of a network of mining. So a lot of that's done in China. At that point, OTC trading is kind of the next step where miners want to sell some of their Bitcoin to, to buyers. Then more traditional exchanges are another piece of that where Companies like BTCC, OKCoin, Huobi have more traditional financial, have more traditional exchange models and sell Bitcoins to the public and allow trading on their platforms. And then the kind of final use of, of Bitcoin could be someone purchasing an item from Amazon with purse.io or someone simply putting it in a Bitcoin wallet to, to save for the future. China is now the one of the major economies which are heavily invested in Bitcoin mining. Can you talk about some of the companies in China which are actually doing this? Sure. So kind of the main one that was mentioned previously is a company called Bitmain based in Beijing. So they are basically the, the dominant manufacturer of, of hardware for mining, basic chips and, and the mining machines. And they basically sell this hardware all over the world and also operate their own mining farms uh, in China. So they're, they're kind of number one. Other companies include BW down in Shenzhen, a mining pool called BTC Top uh, that's run by a guy based in, in Shanghai. It's a competitive industry and, and it's consolidated in a lot of ways. And I'd say Bitmain is really the, the king of the hill right now in terms of mining in China and globally. I'm very curious to know, I guess it's actually two questions, but I'm going to put it into one. So what are the interesting applications and Bitcoin, blockchain, or even cryptocurrency type startups in China that you have seen so far? So there, there are quite a few. There's a lot of innovation in the space right now. And I think I'll, I'll break it up into enterprise blockchain focused companies and then kind of the cryptocurrency space. On the enterprise blockchain side, we've seen some, definitely in the last year and a half, really interesting companies developing products. Bitsy, company based in Shanghai where I am, has a supply chain focus. They have a product called VeChain that basically is tracking and encounter anti-counterfeiting provenance for for items using a chip that's can be tracked on on the blockchain. They've, they've had some interesting POCs in the last few months with fashion companies and some wine companies tracking their their inventory. On the financial side, a company called uh, Jujin Financial here in Shanghai has kind of more banking and, and finance focus. And then a, a company also in Shanghai called OneCloud has a sandbox for open source blockchain projects like Stellar, Factum, and others, where they're trying to pull in other enterprises to use their developer tools and work on open source blockchain projects inside their sandbox. So there's some cool things going on on the enterprise blockchain side with, with local Chinese startups. And then in the, on the cryptocurrency side, really the main thing is catching fire right now is this ICO industry. And so we have platforms for ICOs to list for Chinese investors like ICO Age. Uh, we have a lot of infrastructure being built up around the ICO space right now. A company that's local to China that has done an ICO that was very successful is called Quantum. They did a, an ICO a few months ago that, that raised what was then about 20 million. And now in terms of Ether, would be about 50 million USD, what they raised at the time. That's seeking to combine positive aspects of the Bitcoin and Ethereum blockchains. So that's an innovative project based in China. And a lot of this is being driven by China-based VCs. Fibusher Capital has been really driving a lot of the enterprise innovation in China. Others have focused more on the ICO space, one called FBG. And then a VC uh, called Huayin has also focused 
on some some Bitcoin investments uh, in the industry here. So before I get to the topic of ICO, because it's of a lot of interest to a lot of people, I want to zoom back into China, uh, specifically to the BAT and traditional banks. How are the BAT, given their influence in fintech, or what we call the Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, Nexus, and traditional banks, for example, ICBC, looking at the blockchain technology as a whole? So the BAT and definitely the traditional banks have been looking at blockchain technology for a while and have started making some moves publicly. Baidu invested in a, a blockchain company called Circle that's based in the US but expanded its operations into China. They made a, a large investment into Circle. Alibaba has engaged with PwC for a pilot focused on preventing counterfeit foods from reaching consumers in China. Tencent's actually in the last week uh, has partnered with Bank of China to launch a new joint research space focused on blockchain tech aimed at developing their own cloud-based blockchain platform. And then traditional banks, basically every traditional bank in China from agriculture, Bank of China, Industrial and Commercial Bank of China, China Construction Bank, have all in the last year engaged in innovation initiatives that involve blockchain with partners more from the technology space, including Baidu, including Zhang'an and others. So it's definitely something that the BAT and that traditional banks are looking at and are, and are working on, uh, trying not to be left behind by a lot of these startups. Can you talk about the concept of initial coin offerings, otherwise known as ICOs in the blockchain world that have recently been heating up all over the world? Absolutely. And, and this new ICO craze is something that's been made possible by blockchain technology and is really is sweeping the world here. So an ICO otherwise known as an initial coin offering or initial crypto token offering, is basically a new way of fundraising for companies or, or projects. And basically what it is, is the creation of a, a token and the sale of a token to the greater community in exchange for the potential for the buyers of that token to make money from the token at a later point or sell the token for a profit at a later point. It's basically a way of a new way of raising funds and at the same time creating a network of users and evangelists to really get a project moving. And what we've seen, especially in Asia here, is the use of, of an ICO for companies to raise insane amounts of money and then for investors interested in getting into ICOs to profit on short-term speculation, but also to get in on projects that they think will become protocols for the future that underpin a lot of where the world is heading. These new protocols that will kind of underpin a lot of industries uh, in the future. And so really an innovative, innovative thing that's been made possible by um, tokenization and, and blockchain technology. It's a pretty interesting concept because one of the things that you could actually do, for example, open source projects such as Linux, if it had been done today, they could have done an ICO and they could have raised millions or even billions of dollars as compared if they would have done in the early 1990s. So one of the things that has been ongoing is the Ethereum and its derivative tokens such as Golem and basic attention tokens, which is actually used by the Brave browser, have recently raised a lot of money and are becoming very popular. Have you seen very similar type of tokens that sprang up from, say, Ethereum that in China as well? Uh, absolutely. And, and first... These new Ethereum-based tokens uh, themselves are, are all very popular in China. Basic attention tokens had great support from the Chinese community during their ICO. And basically all these ICO projects, as they're going on their marketing and PR campaigns, come through China, meet with investors, and talk about their projects in the community here. So they're, they're all very popular in China, to be honest. 
Uh, are there any China-based ones then? So they're probably the most successful few projects in China so far have actually not been based on Ethereum. Quantum, which uh, we mentioned earlier, is basically a new a new blockchain that's is attempting to combine some positive aspects of, of Bitcoin and Ethereum. AntShares is another that's its own blockchain. Projects on Ethereum are definitely definitely coming up in the wings now out of China. But for the most part, a lot of the successful ICOs that we've seen had their seen their founding in places outside of China. Most of them tend to set up their legal structures and headquarters actually where you are down in Singapore. Yes, and I heard that the founder of Ethereum is actually living in Singapore now. Yeah, Vitalik moved, moved there a few months ago along with the Ethereum Foundation. So Singapore is definitely kind of a, a hub for ICO activity because of the positive regulatory environment that uh, the government has fostered there, which is a plus for Singapore, I think. It's interesting because this whole ICO phenomenon is actually springing up. The question is, for me, from an observer and also someone who understands the technology, I find that ICOs are very ideal for decentralized and distributed type of utility services that's built on top of a digital blockchain world. But I don't know whether some of these ICOs that are coming up could be ideal for actually ICO itself. I have a feeling that there is going to be a hype cycle and then there will be some crashes happening sometime soon. But coming back to China, what do you see will be the major trends that will be happening within the next one, two years with respect to say fintech and cryptocurrencies as a whole? Maybe starting with kind of the enterprise blockchain uh, space again, the, the hype cycle for that industry has kind of reached a point where companies are really implementing solutions in production now. So I think we'll see a continuation of that is that kind of market matures. Consortiums are still forming around China, uh, research institutes, collaborations between universities and corporations focused on blockchain research continue to pop up. And so the enterprise blockchain space is, is still growing. In the ICO market, tend to agree with you on us seeing a bubble here at some point in the near future. A lot of speculation in China really does feel feel very very bubbly right now. But the ICO as a model for raising funds, I think is here to stay and really will be revolutionizing a lot of this. Not to go on a tangent here about this, but the, just the tokenization of financial products, I think. We kind of saw it by accident actually from a company in Hong Kong back about eight months ago. Um, but there's there's an exchange that was hacked and $70 million was stolen. And what they did instead of closing, instead of basically instead of shutting down, was they basically issued a debt issuance to customers who lost funds uh, with a, a token based on kind of a dollar per dollar value of what was lost. And those tokens were, were traded on exchanges and markets set the rate basically until the point where the entire money, the entire amount of money that was lost was paid back. The exchange was able to stay solvent and is, is still thriving today. So basically what they did was a debt issuance of $70 million, which in the traditional market would, would cost at least five, five million or so. And they were able to do it for less than $100,000 basically. And so, and, and no regulators came calling, no, no, no one shut, shut down their operation. And so really innovative things around tokenization are going to continue to happen. And China has been a driver of that and, and will continue to be. One other thing that's happening in China that's, that's interesting is the digital RMB. The Chinese Central Bank announced they were hiring researchers around this topic um, a few months ago, and then just announced in the last few days, actually, that they have opened up some office space in Beijing focused on uh, this uh, digital RMB that's that's going to be upcoming here. So continued maturation of the enterprise blockchain space, a digital RMB coming, and then kind of a continuation of this ICO market boom until until some kind of crash 
and new use cases for, for tokenization. I think for, for Asia and China, we're going to continue to see. John, thank you once again for coming onto the show. And of course, tell us a little bit about what is really happening with Bitcoin and blockchain in China. Of course, my final question, help my audience, how do they find you? Yeah, you can find BTC Media. Uh, you can find all, all of our products at btcmedia.org. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Disc Rigs. Feel free to reach out. We're open and we love connecting with the community. And uh, our passion is, is Bitcoin and blockchain and education. And so happy to help in any way that we can. You can find me at bleongcw.bernardleong.com. Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, A-N-A-L-Y-S-E Asia. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, TuneIn, and of course, Google Play in the US market. Tweet to me, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And of course, any feedback from the audience would be great. And once again, John, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Bernard.